Hey, uh, for you, those of you who don't know, my name's Brownie. Okay, I'm going to be preaching this morning, and um, I'm back by popular demand. Hey, I'm back by pop- no, from the 9 a.m. service. Hey, I'm back from popular Nah, just so you know, we, we, we're doing a service at 9, 9 a.m. till 10, and then we're doing one from 10.30 till whenever, okay, just so you know. So um, the ones that are at the 9 a.m., you know where to laugh, you know what to do, Margie? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the way, clap, 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 that's the one. Um, no, I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off now. Uh, thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that is life-changing, Father God. I thank you for your word that is the same today, yesterday, and forever, Father God, Lord. I thank you for your word that has an answer to every problem and every solution, uh, solution to every issue, Father God, Lord. I thank you that this is a book of wisdom that we, can, that we can stand on, Father God, Lord, and live out of and live from, Lord God, from this word. I thank you that this word is alive, Lord God and active in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I preached this message at 9 a.m. Pretty good. It's pretty amazing if I say so myself. I preached it at 9 a.m., and now I'm preaching at 10.30, but you know, I think I'm preaching the same message, but the thing is, God works. God works at 9 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. Amen? And he works in a different way, and I'll tell you why he works in a different way. is because these words on the paper, once I speak those words... It's God that gets hold of them. And as they're coming in my mouth, God's grabbing them and he's wrapping them up into the context of your heart, into your, what's personal for your life and your message. So if this is a stink message, it's your fault. <laughs> mm. yeah. Now, I want to start off by talking about the news. About the news. Eh? Look, does the news just seem like lots of repeats? It just seems like the same, if it was a season, it would seem like the epi- a series, it would seem like the same episode every week. It gets a little bit depressing, and I'm not saying be ignorant of the news, I'm not saying be ignorant of the news, but don't put all your emphasis on information. Don't put all your emphasis on what the media is telling you, but put it on the word and on revelation and what God's telling you. But anyway, I was watching the news, and um, there was a shooting. Have you seen all the shootings that are going on? Everyone's shooting people these days. All the gangs up in Auckland are all, are all firing weapons at each other. Then I saw on, on the news that our, our Prime Minister went over to Aussie to meet the new Prime Minister, and they were talking about the, the gangs. Okay? So Australia have a, uh, a law called the 501, it's called 501, which is they deport any criminal uh, or, or gang-related criminal from Australia to New Zealand. But they deport them whether they were even, they might have been born in Australia. They might have lived there all their lives. They may have no connection back here to New Zealand, no identity here. You know, they identify more as Australian, yet they get sent back here. You know? Now, I find that quite weak, really, you know, of the Australian government. And the, and, and the, and the second thing I want to say about that is all that has done is strengthen the gangs. Because now we have gangs over here that we never had before. Now, now these Aussie gangs have setups in, in New Zealand, man. You know, like, it's just strengthened them. And, and look, the reason why I'm bringing it up, I'm not anti-gang and I'm not pro-gang, okay? But I understand. I understand what gangs provide. I understand what people are looking for when they go towards a gang. You know, let's be honest. Most young people, if, if they end up, if you go and talk to gang members, I've talked to truckloads of gang members over the years and I've, I've worked with them and I've done lots of, lots of uh, deals with them. <laughs> I've done lots of stuff with them. And, and here's the thing about it though. Most of them you will find will be failed at home first. 
mum, dad, auntie, whatever it is. And I'm not putting families down, I'm just saying this is how it is sometimes. That those kids don't have a family, so they get failed at home. Then they get put into the system, and if the, you know, and the system is family homes, ball stools, things like that. And let's be honest, the system fails people a lot of the time. Then they get put out into society, and society shuns them. And then what happens? They see the gangs, the same fellas that they grew up with in the family homes, the same guys that they saw in the ball stools, and the gangs go, bro, you're part of us. Here's your belonging. Here's your identity. You know, it gives people a sense of belonging and identity. You know? And when I was a young man, I got myself in a little bit of trouble, and I got into some mischief, and I, I didn't really have anyone that was, you know, that, that, that was over me. And I, when I look back, and I didn't even know what a mentor was, but I got a mentor. I got a mentor when I was 16 years old. And um, he was a gang member. He was a... He was a, a criminal, he was a drug addict, he was everything that he was. But I'll tell you something about him. He taught me all the wrong things in all the right ways. You understand that? He taught me all the wrong things, but all the right ways. He loved me, man. He showed me love. I felt so special when I was hit with him. You know, 16 years, 17 years old, and we'd go around to all these clubs and all these headquarters, and, that, and I'd be with him, and I'd be accepted, you know? And that was my belonging. That was my identity at that stage, you know? Um... Because when I was growing up, so my dad, my dad's Māori, and uh, I mean dark, dark, purple Māori. Um, my mum's, well, a lot of you know, my, knew my mum before she passed away, was really, really white. Okay, and then you get, this is what you get, you get Matt and I in the middle. But the thing about it, so does anyone remember what Māori, if you were half Māori, half white, what, what was the term for it? Half caste, eh? Half caste. When I look back, like that was a term when I grew up, half-caste. Everyone was, you know, oh, you're, he's a half-caste. When I look back on that term, mate, it's pretty half-caste. You're sort of in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? And for me, because I had light eyes, lots of whites thought I was Māori, lots of Māori thought I was white. So I was like, well, where do I fit in? I was half-caste. I was in the middle. And I'm wondering where I fit in. Where do I belong? You know, when I was growing up, I had love. My mum loved me. I know my mum loved me unconditionally because I put her through way too much. Uh, my brother won't admit it, but he loved me. Um, and, and unconditionally. You know, these people love me unconditionally. You know, my brother's been through heaps with me, man, when I was, you know, before Christ. Um, so was my mum. Even my dad. My dad loved me. I knew my dad loved me because he never told me he hated me. Hey, you know, that's the era we grew up in, eh? Dad didn't say he loved you, which I find a shame. I tell my boys I love them all the time. And I hear them telling their boys, and I hear them telling their kids, you know? Yeah. So anyway, growing up, we had love, but I didn't have much stability. I didn't have much stability, man. Like, mum and dad were up and down. You know, they split up when we were quite young, and then there was lots of dramas and that. And, you know, it was just all over the show a little bit. Uh, I learned pretty young that we were poor. Um, <laughs> that's a real revelation when you're a kid. <laughs> and you go to someone else's house, and you go, oh, fuck. Oh, is that what you're having for dinner? Oh, is that your TV? You know? So I learned pretty quick that I was poor. Uh, I learned that we were always going to be the last kids at the pub, and we're always going to be the last kids outside the club rooms, you know, for rugby. Uh, remember, this is coming from a days, from days where the, the car was a registered babysitter. You know what I mean? Like, you, hey, and your Uber Eats in those days was mum and dad dropping some chippies and some, some coke off to you in the car. I grew up around... 
a lot of anger, a lot of violence, and I, and I became angry and violent. You know, which, which really means hurt. It really means hurt. You know, every angry, violent man that I've ever met in my life is the most hurt man that you've ever met. And it's until you deal with those hurts and those pains, you know, that like New said, you can move forward. You can move forward. So yeah, I sort of, um, you know, was, got into a lot of violence myself. I, I saw, sometimes anger and violence when you're young, it, it can be your friend. You know, like you use it as your friend because then you don't have to face anything. You can just be angry all the time and that. But it's that friend that turns on you, you know, all the time. Same with drugs. You know, I started using drugs. I got into crime. I ended up in prison. Um, you know, I, my perception of myself was this is who I am. It's who I am, you know. I'm, I was 24 years old, 25 years old, and I was like, oh, well, this is me. Addicted to drugs, in and out of jail, angry and violent. Oh, well better wind up, you know, 25 years old, and I was, I was just thinking that was, that was who I was, it wasn't who I was, that was what I was doing, that was the habits, that was the things that I learned, but it wasn't who I was, you know, my perception became really low, you know, I had a real low self-image of myself, which, which is quite funny, because I've always had quite a high, high opinion of myself, but you know, when you start doing things that you know aren't right and are wrong and things just start weighing on you, continually keep going down that track, it starts to weigh and weigh and weigh, as New said before, and weigh on you, and it squashes who you truly are. Squashes who you're really meant to be, who you're called. I was always called to be here and preaching the Word of God. Always called. Before I was born, I was called to preach the Word of God. I was called to know God, love Him. I was called for that stuff. You know, my identity was always in Christ. Always in Christ. I just needed to be humbled. And man, was I humbled. Man, was I humbled. I'll tell you now. I was humbled. And I'll tell you how I was humbled is that all of a sudden I met a Christian man who didn't speak the way other people spoke. He didn't do what other people did. An amazing example of a Christian. And he showed me what a real man should be. So much that I wanted to be like him. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at this man going, man, everything that he is and everything that I love, man, that's nothing of what I've been looking at and doing. So all of a sudden, at 25 years old, I was humbled. God brought me to my knees because everything that I thought made me a man, being tough, you know, getting in fights, drinking, put some tattoos on me, everything I thought meant me meant nothing. And at 25 years old, I had to reinvent myself, find a new identity. Because I'd become someone that I was not called to be. But it was all habit. It wasn't actually my true spirit. My true spirit, man, God was saying, I love you. You know? Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, God loved us. When I was at my worst, God loved me. You know? We can learn a lot from that. Because I tell you now, it's hard to love a lost and dying world. Hey. When you look at the world, it can be quite arrogant, it can be quite obnoxious, even rude. How do you love that? Same way God loves us. Hey, through grace, through mercy. That's the way we love Him. So anyway, my message is called... Yeah, yeah, I'm only just starting. <laughs> well, is, is he not even started? What was all that? Nah, my message is identify identity. Okay, identify identity. I'm going to tell you something. Identify is to establish. Identity is who you are. 
So establish who you are. Know who you are in Christ. Know. And and you know what? Sometimes you've got to tell yourself. Because sometimes we're our own worst enemies. And we're real critical of ourselves. And Oh, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. Sometimes you've got to love yourself. Accept yourself. You know, I love what New said. It's so in line. You know? So yeah, establish who you are. And sometimes that's hard, man. Sometimes it's hard, eh? You know, we live in a world um, that's so confusing, you know? There's so much uncertainty. There's so much fear. There's so much noise and chatter and opinions and everything else going on. Everything. and So many distractions. We're going to learn who we are amongst the noise. Know who you are amongst the noise. When everything else is going off, man. You know what God showed me? Remember what I told you in, in the light when you're in the dark. Because sometimes you don't hear as well in the dark, hey, in those hard times. But you've got to remind yourself of what God says in the light. Because things can look different in the dark. Hey, things can look different in the dark. Things can look worse in the dark. They can look scarier in the dark. But remember what God told you in the light. And God told me that I'm a child of the most living high God. That's what he told me. I'm going to run with that. Hey, I'm going to run with that. And you know, that's my identity. First and foremost, I am a child of God. Then I can be a man or a Maori man or a Maori man who's a husband or a Maori man who's a husband and a father. Or Then those other identities, I can be that. But first and foremost, I'm a man of God. I'm a son of the most living high. Hey, that's who I'm related to. That's who you're related to. And don't let anyone else tell you anything else. Don't let anyone tell you any other. No, God loves us. So anyway, I'm going to start a scripture. And um, it's, I want to start off with Matthew 16, 13. Okay? Now, a lot of you might have heard this. And it's where Jesus is with his disciples. Okay? And he's got with all the disciples, he's got them all together, and he said to them, Who do people say I am? Man, that's a loaded question, eh? Could you imagine if Jesus asked you that? Who do people say I am? That's a real, real loaded question. Can you imagine today? You wouldn't need, Jesus wouldn't even need to ask. Everyone in the world would have an opinion, and everyone in the world would volunteer it to him, and everyone would tell him who they think he is, and also who they think he should be. You know, and that's what happens to us in the world with our identity. People start trying to tell us what we should be. And, oh, well, you're a Christian. You should this and you should that. You should. I know. I know what I should. I know. That's between me and God. Hey, thank you for your concern of God's standards, (laughs) but apply them to your life. Amen? Volunteer opinions. And we've got so many platforms and media that make it possible to share opinions. These days, people can put opinions about everything. Everything. You know, Twitter, hey, Twitter is the equivalent of reading toilet walls when I was a kid. Hey. Remember you go in the toilet and people would write things down and that, hey, they write on the toilet wall and you read it. That's what Twitter is. It's just toilet wall writing. Hey. And yet some people put so much emphasis on it. Some people share about anything and everything, even if they're not qualified. Even if they're not qualified, but they will put their two cents worth in. And this is why we need to know who we are. Because those two cents worth are trying to shape our identity. They're trying to, hey, 
And, and, and it's really interesting how the world does it these days. They'll even go like this. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, then you must, do you love people? Do you love this? And if you don't, oh, then you don't, if you don't agree with something, oh, you don't care. Oh, don't you care? Don't you love, don't you care? Yeah, I care. I care. Yeah. So anyway, back to it. So the disciples, hey, they've been asked that question. Who do people say I am? And the disciples turn around and they say, oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. You know, I put it out there. Then Jesus turns to them and says, yeah, but you, you, who do you say I am? Hey, easy to say what everyone else is thinking. Oh, they think this. But no, no, bro, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And I'll tell you what, I find that really interesting. I find it really interesting that first, before he asked the disciples, oh, who do you say? He asked them to consider what everyone else thinks. What's everyone else's opinion? What's everyone else saying about me? What's the popular consensus? What's the majority rule? And the majority rule was that people didn't like Jesus. They didn't believe him. I find that really interesting, though, that, that he asked them every other opinion or option that he could be before he asked them. You know, because that's more or less saying, well, here's all the options. What do you think? You know, he wasn't trying to reassure himself, you know. Who do you say? Oh, who do the people say I am? I am Jesus, eh? Aren't I? You know, he wasn't reassuring himself because he doesn't place other, his, his identity on other people's opinions. Jesus never did that. If Jesus did that, he would never have gone to the cross. If he listened to everyone's opinion on who he was and what he was called to do, he wouldn't have made it to, to, the, to the steps of the hill. But he knew his identity. He knew he was the son of God. He knew that. You know, he laid out all the opinions and options to them and then said, who am I? Sometimes we need to know who we are amongst all the noise and all the chatter because there's a lot of chatter going on these days and a lot of noise. You can't help. You can't help but be hearing everything, you know? So we've got to be careful. Anyway, Peter, Peter I love Peter. Eh? Peter was real mischief. I like Peter because he, he always got in trouble but he always got himself right. And why? Hey, why? Because he humbled himself and he, he, and he accepted forgiveness. If you look at it, Peter, man, he's done some outrageous things in the Bible. But listen to this. Peter was the first one. He jumps up and he goes, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Man. Oh, that, there's some real significance to that scripture. I've always loved that scripture, but, I, but I've been doing a little bit of, get ready for it, guys, study uh, be careful, you might learn something new. But yeah, I've been doing some study and check this out. Do you know that that was the first time that Jesus had been audibly declared as the Messiah? Peter turned around and said, you are the Messiah. Before then, it hadn't been said. I remember the first time that I said to Jesus, yes, you're the Messiah. Yeah, you're the son of the living God. I remember how significant it was for my life. You know? And so you put into the context of that, that that was the first time that someone had said it, okay? And, and because there was a lot, you've got to remember, in those days, you've got to put into context, it was very political times that they lived in, and there were some real misconceptions around Jesus. You know, it was probably the first original fake news, you know, that was out, was all the things that were said about Jesus. So it was a very, you know, testing time. You couldn't go and say too much. And here's the thing, how I know, is because in Matthew 16, 20, 
a little bit further down, Jesus tells the disciples, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone that I'm, I'm the Messiah. Don't tell anyone. Because it wasn't the right time for it to be revealed. God's real strategic. You know what I mean? Like We always think that the most obvious thing to do is what God wants us to do. But it's not always. You know what? Sometimes we're not called to preach. We're called to listen. Sometimes it's not the right time to, to jam a scripture in there. How do I know this? Because in the Bible, the Holy Spirit forbid Paul from preaching in Asia. Now you would think, Paul, you're in Asia. Preach, baby. But he said no. And the reason God said no was it was strategic. He didn't want the word coming that way at that time. He wanted it coming another way. You know, that's why we've got to be real, you know, we've got to be real aware. It's not always the obvious things to say. Do you know that sometimes people have used the word and it's actually probably hurt me more than helped me? It's how it's used. You've got to remember the word's like a, a, a sharp, two-edged sword. Use that thing the wrong way, man. You'll slice someone up. That's why we need the wisdom. We need the grace. We need the love. We need the mercy. We need everything, the whole package. Hey, the whole package. Anyway, Jesus turns around to Peter and just goes, Peter, you are blessed. And he said, because this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by God. But by God. See, I can't teach. I can teach you about God or we can learn about God. But until you encounter God and experience God, it's never going to be enough. And, and your experience and encounter with God doesn't have to be this big, amazing fireworks. It has to be something. You know, for me, I'll tell you what God did to me. He made my heart so soft. You know, I, 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 I cry, I'm almost crying talking about it. I didn't cry like that because God has just overwhelmed me, you know, with what he's, what he's done for my life, man. Like, that for me was real humbling. Because you know why? Because I, I thought I was tough. Because I never cried. I thought I wasn't emotional because I was an emotional man. My emotion was anger and my outlet was violence. You know, I was emotional. I just, did, well, I just didn't cry. I'll tell you what, the first time I ever got hit by God in the church, I, I bawled my eyes out. And I remember just standing, at first when it started happening, I remember just a tear and I was just like, oh, fuck. You know, and I was so self-conscious about everyone around me and I was just like, and I mean, like, I started getting really overwhelmed, man. And, like, like, these tears are coming out. And I'm sort of, like, trying to close my eyes so they won't. And they're coming out. And I'm just sitting there going, what is happening, God? What is happening? Man, that was part of me being, A, I believe, being humbled. But, B, that was part of my change. That was God. I was experiencing God. I was encountering his love. I was getting overwhelmed by his goodness, you know. And I hadn't had that. I hadn't felt that. And it was, so what I'm saying is, you've you got to experience God. You've got to have an encounter. It's not enough to read about him and learn about him, hear about him. Man, he's in us. He's in us. Yeah. I'm extremely grateful to God. He gave me an identity. Well, sorry. He brought out my identity that I just tried to crush. You know, I tried to put all these things on top of my identity. I tried to take on all these labels. I tried to take on all these things. And, 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 and all of a sudden, you know, I'm at the bottom of a pit. But here's the thing. God had already, like God was, I was already on God's mind. God was already revealing himself. He'd already begun a work. I just hadn't seen it yet. I hadn't seen it. So anyway, Jesus was trying to reveal something 
to his disciples then. He was trying to reveal that the kingdom of God is not physically perceived or proven. God's not based on outcome, or he's not performance-based. If God does or if God doesn't, he's God. If God does or he doesn't, he's God. You know, I'm not, I'm not pinning my life on God and my trust and faith in God on outcome. You know why? Because sometimes the outcome I want isn't the outcome that God wants. Sometimes, man. Sometimes I'm there and God's trying to bring me back. My job is to discern whether that door needs to be closed or whether it needs to be kicked in. That's my job. So anyway, he was trying to say to them that, man, hearing opinions about me and hearing talks isn't enough. You've got to know me. That's where you'll get your identity from. See, what he was trying to reveal to them was that it was a spiritual encounter. It was a spiritual change. It wasn't flesh and blood. It wasn't human. It was, it was God. That's what he was trying to do. And I'll tell you why. Because at the start of the scripture, if you read 16 verse 1, this is all in Matthew 16 anyway, the whole lot. But if you jump back and sort of Quentin Tarantino the thing and you go from the end and you jump to the start, Matthew 16, 1, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were the real religious fellows of the day, were saying to Jesus, show us a sign. Where's the sign? Prove us. Prove to us that you're God. Where's the sign? Where's the sign? Jesus turned around to them and said, man, what a wicked generation. Lacking faith. You want a sign. You want a sign. And they said, so you can see, see that the red, red at night, hey, you know, it's going to be nice in the morning or, or, you know, and red in the morning, it's going to be bad. And he was saying, you can read the seasons, but you can't read the spiritual times that you live in. That's what he's trying to tell us. Yeah. Matthew 16, 17. Jesus then turns around and he says to them, uh, uh, that, yeah, he says, you're blessed. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. On this rock. The rock that he's talking about is that revelation that Peter had. Peter had a revelation. And, he, and I could imagine him saying it. It would have been like, oh, wow, yeah, you're the Messiah. You know, God reveals. Hey, it says in the Bible, let our eyes of understanding be opened. You know what I mean? It's almost like God just opened his eyes to him a little bit more. You see Jesus being revealed all the time in the Bible. And just open his eyes to it. Here's the big one. So on that rock, that's the platform you want to be posting from. That's the platform you want to be standing on and speaking from. That's the platform you want to be speaking out of. Is the rock of revelation. See, one thing though that I just want to cap off with this whole scripture is that by Peter acknowledging Jesus' identity, it actually revealed Peter's identity. Because when we acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, then we acknowledge that we're children of God. It says in John 1, 2, when called as children of God to his purpose. The moment that we understand that Jesus is who Jesus is, then we understand who we are. Our identity is in Christ. It always has been. Everyone's is, whether they know it or not always has been doesn't matter about background past ethnicity gender you know though it's part of my you know might be part of our identity might be part of our identity like i said before you know i'm a i'm a male 
You know, I'm a, I'm a Maori, part, Maori man, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father. There's all these parts of my identity. But what sort of father, what sort of husband I am, what sort of man I am depends on my identity in Christ. Christ, my identity in Christ determines what type of man I want to be, what type of man I can be. You know, it gives me identity. You know, and we've got to be careful, man. People are trying to put identities on people all over the show. Like, here's an example. COVID. It almost became your identity whether you were vaxxed or not vaxxed. Who cares? You know? It started to become such a big thing. It was almost part of your identity. Are you vaxxed? Are you not vaxxed? You know, that's not my identity. And God's going to keep us. God's got us. God's got us, man. 100%, man. God has got us. You know, Jesus is still revealing himself to people. Still revealing himself to people. And you know what? He's revealing himself through you sometimes. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we're ambassadors for Christ. And I love this bit. We're ambassadors for Christ as though God is pleading through me. Get right with God. You know, sometimes I can feel it when I'm preaching. I can feel when I'm preaching like God's just, oh, bro, like reaching out with love going, please get this. Please understand this, man. It's almost like it says, pleading through you, man. So when, when you're revealing your identity in Christ, that's what God's doing through you. He's pleading through you. Don't get caught up in arguments. Don't get caught up in debates. It's not about being right. God reveals himself through the Spirit. I'm not saying we can't confront stuff. I'm not saying we can't disagree with stuff. You can confront people without being angry. You can check people without being nasty. You can disagree with people, you know? But don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in it. Because one thing I notice, here's my identity in Christ. See how thin I am in Christ, eh? So there's my identity there, okay? And then something will come along and happen, and boom, and I'll be over here a little bit. Hey, you might have seen me over here a little bit, and then, but then I'll come back over here. Because you, the world's always trying to knock our identity. It's trying to knock us away from who we, we always come back. Because we're anchored in God. Amen? Okay. But here's the thing. You've got to meet him as a savior before you can meet him as anything else. Before he can be a provider, a healer, a comforter, before he can give you peace where there's no peace or show you a way where there seems no way, you need to meet him as a savior. And, and as New said, once you meet him as a savior, that's all you need to do. He'll work out the rest from there. Hmm. So be encouraged, man. Know your identity. Man, there's nothing, there's nothing more powerful than being a, a person of God. There is no stauncher reaction or response to any situation other than faith. Faith is the strongest reaction you can have to any, any circumstance or situation that comes your way. You know, and I tell you now, when you need it, it's good to have it, you know? But you don't want to, you want to make it a local call, not a 911 or triple one emergency call. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Father God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you do give us identity. You've called us by name, Father God, Lord. You've lifted us up from the miry clay and you've placed us on the rock, Father God, Lord. I thank you, Father God, Lord, that you're all things to all people, Lord. Everything we need, Lord, you're, you, you, you're everything we need, Father God. And I thank you right now, Lord God, that you are confirming, Lord God, your identity in this nation. And I thank you, Father God, Lord, for in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Right.